cliffcentral.com But I had to start the session with Independent Woman by Beyonce. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rosie Mothena, a.k.a. the Afro-Yiddish Princess. And welcome to my hour, which I've titled Woman Up. This is the show that I want to introduce and profile women from all across demographics. Women who are getting on with life, pursuing their dreams, and doing it passionately. For those of you who know me, um, I basically live, breathe, uh, I wouldn't say I eat, but almost on that level, anything to do with woman and woman empowerment. So today I'm going to be chatting to two phenomenally dynamic women. Um, uh, the first one I'm going to be chatting to is a young, a young lady who comes from Dobsonville. She is an, an activist. She's a student and I call her a warrior princess. So she's got quite an interesting story to tell. Then I'm going to be speaking to a woman who used to be an investment banker from London who came to South Africa and took a total 360-degree turn and opened up her own eyebrow threading business. Then I'm going to speak and be speaking to a phenomenal writer who wants to get Africa reading. Not only the women, but the children. Everyone in Africa needs to be reading their stories and telling their own stories. And then, because I'm Jewish, and um, yes, I am black and Jewish, but I also wanted to chat to a very good friend of mine and phenomenal woman who is a rabbi, and her name is Rabbi Julia Margolis, who is the third of the South African female rabbis to ever be ordained and the first to be serving in South Africa. So it's a jam-packed show. Please don't go anywhere. But I thought in order to kick things off, I need to play this song. Well, because yeah. it's apt. Uh-huh. You know what it is. Black and Jewish, black and Jewish, black and Jewish, black and Jewish. Yeah. Unreal, uncensored, unradio. Clipcentral.com. Welcome back to the show. That was Black and Jewish, of course, a parody by Whiskerlev's Black and Yellow. My name is Rosie Motena, a.k.a. the Afro-Yiddish Princess. Please give us a call on 0861-555-189 or on Twitter. Uh, the handle is cliffcentral.com. And, of course, we're on Facebook um, and WeChat under Cliff Central and, of course, on Instagram. Otherwise, I'm known as Princess RTM on Twitter. As I said before the break, today is all about woman up. We're going to be talking to four phenomenal women who are just getting through life, but doing it their way and making sure that they're reaching their passions and their dreams. And my first guest for today, I thought we we're going to keep it young, uh, because uh, also just to keep in, in, in line with Youth Day. And I like to call her a warrior princess. She's an activist, she's a student, and she's a survivor. Um, and she's set to, to empower the young girls of Dobsonville. I was introduced to her a couple of years ago through Eve Ensler, the famous playwright who wrote uh, Vagina Monologues. And after the great success of Vagina Monologues going worldwide and being translated into so many different languages and performed on so many different platforms, she realized that she needed to have dialogue with the young girls and the youth of, of, of the world. And because she's got such a strong and close um, affiliation to South Africa, she came here and she created a, a group and she wrote a book called Emotional Creatures. 
Because basically that's what young girls are all about. And she created these young girls and they go under the banner known as the V Girls. And I'm going to introduce you to Sama Kumalo from Dobsonville, Soweto, who's one of the V Girls. Sama, how are you, you gorgeous creature? Good morning, Rosie and the listeners. How are you? I'm beyond fabulous, baby. Are you nice and warm? Yeah, I am. Good, good. So tell me, what, what, for, for, for our listeners out there, what is, what is V Girls about? Basically, V Girls is a global movement of young activists and advocates who empower themselves and one another to create change they imagine for the world. Mm. So V-Girls gives girls a platform to amplify their voices and ignite their activism. So this movement is a revolution which is led by girls and is for girls. Absolutely. And, and I, I, the thing is, yeah. I've, been to, I've been to some of your meetings and I, I was totally blown over just about the insight that comes into the meetings. How do you get the girls actually involved? Um, I, for me, I started joining V-Girls while I was in the play, mm-hmm. uh, the Emotional Creature play in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So it, um, through the play, I began just to understand how could I be one person changing things for the girls in my community in Dobsonville. Mm. Mm. So I organized a small gathering in my in in my neighborhood and I invited friends and we stayed in at my home and I invited Eve to come to it. Okay. So many girls that day opened up uh for the first time and told their stories of violence and rape, stories that others in the neighborhood didn't know about. Mm. So it changed everything that day for me and for all of us, the girls. So yet now I host regularly Samusani Summit mm-hmm. and many girls uh, attend and talk about what they're going through, what they experience daily. Yeah. So you know, just, just for our listeners, because because we're online and, and we don't just have listeners within South Africa and within Johannesburg, do you want to talk about some of the challenges that young girls have faced in the townships or in Johannesburg because you also work in Johannesburg as well? Um. Yeah, there are many, especially... Mm. Uh, from in my neighborhood, I would say it's peer pressure. Um, we come from different backgrounds mm-hmm. where um, others stay with their grandmothers. So there's no one, like a sister, to guide you, to tell you what is it that you need to do. Yeah. And with, especially with my girls, I have almost like five girls who stay with their grandmothers. Yeah. And there are so many challenges that we face. Like now I have one girl who we busy helping. I'm trying to involve the social workers as well. Mm. Um, she has been raped by her stepfather and she she didn't want to talk about it. She yeah. didn't tell us about it and it has been going on for so long. It started while she was 13 years. Now she's 17. So okay. we had to move her in another place. Yeah. And yeah, and again, other girls, they stay, like for me, I only stay with my siblings. Mm. So it's also challenging because you you have uh, so much responsibilities. You have to play both roles. You have to be a sister and a mother. You know? no, not even just so, two roles. You're also just trying to grow up. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, going yeah. through teens into into early adulthood, discovering who you are. It's it's it's, it's a lot to be putting a lot of pressure on on onto young shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, one of the things that you mentioned in the beginning was that this young girl didn't want to talk about it. And that is one of our biggest problems is that people don't want to talk about it. Why do you yeah. think is the main reason that people are, are, are still keeping it under, under wraps? Is it out of fear? Is it out, out of, out of just tradition, if you want to call it? What, what is, what are your takes on that? 
Uh, for me, it's fear and the society that we live in now. Mm. You grow in a society where they would take, like you have to live a life doing everything good. You know, when you do something uh, like mess up and Jay-Z would keep, you know, you, your mother would be like, ah, I don't do this. People live as a teeny, you know. Yeah. So you, you're trying to be perfect. You're trying to, 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 to be, to prove them and make them proud of you. Yeah. But then if there's, like something bad or horrible that you experience, you become afraid to tell people about it. You mm. feel like it's embarrassing. You feel like no, and you will feel like you're the only person who experiences. So with with me having these sessions, Samusani Summit, mm. um, it helps us and it gives us a platform whereby we girls, as researching, talking about our issues, we mm. see that I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who goes through this. It's just now you know I have my sisters with me, you know. Yeah. And it, it I, I, truly speaking, like this, this sessions have so many things have done many different, especially in my community, especially in these girls. And it's like it's growing like yeah. every day. Well, I mean, I, I I can bear testament to that because I remember attending one of your first ones. I think it was 2013 or so, and then we, mm. we did another one last year. Last and for year, me, what mm. was so beautiful was that in the beginning, there were a lot of girls who were scared to speak about things. So it was more just of, of a social thing just to come to. Mm. But now people are talking and people are proud. And I think, yeah. I think you need to be commended for that because there's nothing more beautiful than a young teenage girl who knows her worth. Because, you know, yeah. there's so many, there's so many girls who are following the sugar daddy route and, and that quick thing to fame and, and selling their bodies and so forth. And to see well-grounded women stepping up and talking about the issues. And it's difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of those dish, uh, issues are, are even difficult for a woman in her fifties. You know, so mm. I think, I think you need to be, you need a huge pat on your back for that. But, um, just to go back to, to what you mentioned before about the play in 2011. Where did you guys perform? Uh, we performed at the Market Theatre. Mm-hmm. It was in July 2011, and the play travelled. It went to to New York, and it was also at uh, Paris. And it came back last year, yeah. uh, and the play was at UJ last year. Yeah. I couldn't be part of it because I was doing my set year. But the, yeah, the, the play is yeah, it's growing. People. Mm. Now they talk about emotional creature as a secret life of girls. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's it's very powerful the play yeah. because it shows you how what women what girls go through daily. Yeah. You know, you you see girls um, trying to fit in in a group at school, and you see girls being afraid to talk about sex at home, mm. and even if we're with friends. So yeah, it it has so much impact. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned the travel. How was you? You you did a trip to New York with 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 um, the Vigal campaign, didn't you? Um, I went to New York in 2012, mm-hmm. but I was I I got a scholarship. Well, fantastic. Women in and power. Mm-hmm. So that scholarship it was a global um, woman from different countries. There were women from Afghanistan, Turkey. Uh, so it's it, Others from India, mm-hmm. so there you would talk, and I, I was the only woman from South Africa. Congratulations! You, you, you were carrying our flag high, baby. Well done. <laughs> yeah. So we we spoke about what we experienced at home in our country, mm. and yeah, I told them about what I go through daily. What I'm, yeah, like it, it was a good experience. Yeah. And that I, I wasn't 
the only person here in South Africa mm. who's experiencing that. But worldwide, there are people who who struggling, people experiencing neglection, with loneliness, you know, mm. are not getting enough support from their parents. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm very grateful for, for such opportunities. Yeah. And, and, and you also, you're studying at the moment in, in Johannesburg, aren't you? What are you studying? Um, at the moment, I'm busy with the internship mm-hmm. um, at the SABC mm-hmm. um, as a as a producer. Beautiful. So the morning live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I'm working with other productions. Um, these few friends who who have joined now. Yeah. So we're shooting um, some films. <laughs> so, so in terms of in terms of a career for 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 Samo, where 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 is Samo? Where do you want to go in the next five to ten years? What is what is your your future plan? Yeah, my um, with okay, with my career wise, mm-hmm. I want to be involved in production, be a producer as a journalist as well, mm-hmm. and um, I want to have my own show. We are empower young people, and also with my summits, some summits. Um, if you know, Rosie, if you've been through hardships like mm-hmm. I have been, mm-hmm. you understand. Um, how different you want the world to be for yeah. other young women, and so my strength comes from a place of making life different, so others don't go through what I've went through. Yeah. So I want to continue helping these girls. I want to see. I have four girls who completed metric and they are not studying. So this year, I'm make, I'm pushing and making sure that you know what next year these girls have to go to university, have to get bursaries, and others I also have. Five girls are in matric now. Mm. So these nine girls need to further their studies. They have to do that. So yeah. I'm helping them with that. And I'm also also trying, like seeking some help to get um, people who assist me with workshops. Yeah. Because um, every time when I have workshops, I facilitate it. I invite people to come. And also I have people like you who assist me last day. We have a successful um, women's day uh, sessions mm. and we were grateful for that so do you say we want to, to do something again different and then next week friday we're having a pyjama party with my girls so yeah i'm doing something you know mm. i'm yeah but hopefully first thing that i want is education for them i Absolutely. want them to yeah it's also education and, and keep your spirit alive because there's so many other girls and even women out there who don't believe in their strength, who don't believe in their shine. So I salute you. And, you know, if there's anybody listening who, who wants to, to, to be part of the change in this world and to change the dynamics of, of the girl child on this continent, um, hit Sama up on, on, on Facebook. She's Sama Kumalo or find out from me how you can assist and so forth. Um, as I said, congratulations on, on your achievement. Uh, I look forward to a day that Thank we're going to produce so together. Let's just put that out there. I think, I think mm-hmm. our, our creator needs to hear this is that we're going to produce a show one day that's going to change a lot of perceptions, not only in our mm-hmm. continent, but, but, but in the world. And so thank you very much for your time and, and thank we'll, you we'll, so much, Rosie. it's only a pleasure. <laughs> keep shining, baby. Keep rising and I keep shining. You're so I love you so much, Rosie. Thank you. Love you too, beautiful Please. person. That was, of course, Samo Kumalo, who is part of the V Girls, a future leader, activist, student, future producer, TV presenter, you name it. She's got it all, the looks, the brains, the sass, the power and all. We're going to take a quick ad break. And then after that, we're going to cut to a song by Tina Clark. And she wrote the song for One Billion Rising, which is part of the V-Day movement. And basically, it's a movement 
calling on people around the world to rise up against abuse. Not just women, men, women, children, everyone. Listen to this. Get a taste of the Republic of Extra Cold at the Embassy event on the 27th of June at Nasrick, Johannesburg. This epic event will raise the flag for extraordinary experiences with Boys and Bucks, Casper Nyovest, and many more. With only 4,000 tickets on offer, get yours now for only 200 rand a compute ticket or visit castlelight.co.za for more information on the coolest event this winter. Unlock Extra Cold Refreshment. Enjoy responsibly. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18. Cliff Central. I raise my arms to the sky On my knees I pray I'm not afraid of anyone I will That was Tina Clark, Break the Chain. And, of course, it was the theme song for One Billion Rising, which falls under the V-Day movement, calling on the world to stand up and stop violence against women and children. Uh, earlier, before the break, I was speaking to a young dynamic woman called Samu Kumalo. Now we're going to be introducing another phenomenal woman, uh, Frida Isingoma, who's originally Ugandan but spent most of her life in the U.K., Quite an interesting story, this, um, from asset management to eyebrows. She started her career in 1999 as an investment banker in London after completing a BSc and master's degree in economics from Warwick University in the UK. Then in 2008, Frida moved to South Africa to work for Investec and specializing in publicly listed companies across the continent. And in 2009, she left Investec to start Eye Candy Brows after identifying a gap in the beauty market for brow and threading experts. I'm going to speak to this amazing woman to find out what made her decide to take that major leap after 11 years and, and what the road, the, the road has been like. Frida, welcome to Cliff Central. Hi, Rosie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Congratulations on, on all of your achievements. I mean, Warwick University is not just uh, the run-of-the-mill university, girl. <laughs> no, it nearly killed me. I can tell you that. It was very hard. <laughs> but now, when you, when you left London and you came, you came to SA, it was for Investec. What made you choose yeah. South Africa? Um, I, I guess I, I became a bit restless a year or two before I left London. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was born there. I was brought up there. And I used to travel to Uganda all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had a feeling that I wanted to move to Africa. Yeah. Now, with the investment banking industry as it is in Africa, the, obviously the logical solution was to move to South Africa. Right. I've never been here. Mm-hmm. I'd heard wonderful things about it. Yeah. Obviously followed a lot of news stories over the years. Um, so I was just fascinated. Yeah. And yeah. But just in terms of the move, I mean, from London to South Africa is a bit of a, it is a cultural move, if you want to call it that. How did you yeah. actually adjust to, to, to that living? Because it's, I mean, you, you're going from the fast-paced, crazy tube, crazy yes. investment banking, it's, as you said, it nearly <laughs> killed you, <laughs> to, to Sunny <laughs> Stanton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, South Africa, I mean, London is huge. Um, yeah. um, investment banking, yes, it's very fast-paced. But it's just, uh, it wasn't a culture shock as such because there are a lot of amazing things to do here. I met, I've met 
amazing people over the years. So it wasn't necessarily the there was no culture shock to me. Yeah. Um, I guess I just I was always in fascination mode, always in learning mode. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest thing. Yeah. So now, while yeah. you were working here, okay, so you'd been in the in the same industry. It was comfortable, cushy job. It was well respected, yeah. eleven years, yeah. and you decided to okay. Now it's time to move into eyebrows. Now let's face facts. Yeah. You know, our African parents were like, ah, ah, my daughter, she went from investment banking to eyebrows. Ah, ah, my sister, what is it? Yeah, what, what? Yeah, I mean, I'm what was the response? You. Uh, the response was interesting because it took me a while to tell my mum because I thought she was going to have exactly that response. So I told a few of my good friends first, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Are you crazy? Like, are you mad? Are you going to throw it all away?" Yeah. And I was like, "Listen, sit down, listen to this." Yeah. And so I laid out the business plan, mm. and uh, they said, "Yeah, sounds like a good idea." Although we still think you're mad. So I was like, "Okay, it's time to tell my mum." Yeah. And when I told my mum, I was so surprised how supportive she was oh, and wow. that just made me think I've got to do it yeah oh that's you know? beautiful because when you, when you, when you yeah. have the support from from your parents especially from your mum yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's 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 a blessing from above so yeah. so now yeah. you, you you've had this I mean you fortunately you've got this business degree and you've had that that business acumen behind you and you did your, your business plan yeah. what was the next step yeah Sorry, I didn't what, what, what was your next step after you had your business plan? Because then you okay, so I, mm. yeah, I I did the business plan six to eight months before I left investing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had it in mind because what I what I wanted to do the main reason why I wanted to do brows was when I came to South Africa, mm. um, I asked my colleagues, you know, where can I get my brows done? Mm. And they were like, um, oh, you can go to a spa. I'm thinking. Jesus, do I have to go to a spa, take my clothes off, put on a gown to get my eyebrows done? It didn't make sense. You know? And, and then I was like, I'm not doing that. So then I said, where can I get threading done? And most of them were like, what's threading? Mm. And eventually I asked an Indian colleague and said, oh, you have to travel to Aslan and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's about a 20-minute 20, 20 drive. And I thought, 20-minute drive to go and get my eyebrows. <laughs> These are really special eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so, so then I was. I thought, well, why don't I make threading accessible and convenient? Mm. You know, in town where people couldn't just pop in in their lunchtime, or pop in after work or before work and get their eyebrows done. And that's what before I left the investor, I worked on the business plan. I did a few focus groups with friends, mm-hmm. even the ones who thought I was completely mad. Yes. And and then it, after that, it became a no-brainer. I did a trial period, and then that was it. I quit my job. <laughs> wow! But then, I mean, you, after you quit your job, it's not like you opened up a little a little shack on the side of the street and and you were hoping yeah. for your friends and family. I mean, you you partnered with Woolworths. Um, it's yeah. just about that that, yeah. that synergy. Yes, I mean, uh, we launched at this beauty and fashion trade show in mm-hmm. Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically I had three threaders, um, uh, three chairs. Um, it was the whole weekend, so it was three days mm-hmm. of threading madness and trying to convince people, uh, to thread instead of wax and teaching them. I was lucky at that show, Woolies had a stand. Yeah. So they were doing makeup and, you know, like they had perfume and everything else. And, and the lady who was organizing that event for Woolworths came to me and she said, Frida, have you ever thought of being in Woolworths? 
Mm. And uh, I could have hit the floor, but I didn't because I had thought of being in Woolworth. And then after that, the the rest is history. Uh, I went to meet um, the heads of beauty. Mm. I didn't even have to present to them. They, it was already sold. Mm. And, so and, and now I see that you have, I mean, you have 10 branches already. Yes, we do. We do. Yes. Um, after after years, we have 10 branches um, in Cape Town, Durban, and Johannesburg and Pretoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's a plan to open more um, sites this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're growing. We're working hard and we're growing. Yeah. And have you noticed that there's, because I mean, I remember five to ten years ago, like you, I mean, if I wanted to have my eyebrows threaded, I had to go to Mayfair, I had to go to, you know, just remote places or go to a spa and pay crazy, crazy prices. Have you seen that the demand has changed not only just from the Indian and white community but across the demographics for women um, understanding what threading is about and and the need for this? Definitely. It's definitely changed. I mean, when we launched at that trade show, we... We literally, uh, 90% of our clients, because we did make a record of it, 90% had not even heard about threading. Wow. So, I mean, compared to what it is now, most people have heard about threading. Mm-hmm. You'll still find that over 50% haven't actually tried it. Yeah. They've heard about it, but they haven't actually tried it. So to go from 90% of actually not hearing and knowing about it to 50% trying it, and most of those who haven't tried it have heard about it, yeah. it's a huge change. Absolutely. You know, and it makes our job much easier. Yeah. But now, along yeah. with this, and like with anything else, we always have our challenges. Um, what, yeah. what, what are the major challenges that you've had, first of all, just as a businesswoman in South Africa? I think, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're daily challenges, but I think as, as a businesswoman, I think the, this, the biggest challenge is actually convincing people you're serious. Because, mm. um, uh, you know, when a man does something, I found this in investment banking, when a man does something, uh, people are like, wow, oh my God, he's so clever. <laughs> when you do something, they're kind of like, <laughs> they're like, really? Why would you want to do that? Mm. Is it just a hobby? Yeah, you yeah. Know? I found that people were saying, saying to me like, Oh, Frida, uh, you know, it's a hobby, you get over it. Then I'll explain that actually it's not a hobby. I can use the concept and I take it very seriously. Yeah. I have friends and, and even ex-colleagues sending me job applications a year or two or three years into after I started eye candy. Yeah. is like, what part of this do you not take seriously? Yeah. But why, why, why do you think it is? I mean, what do we, what do we need to change? I mean, that happens. It doesn't just happen with, with, with what you've done. It's happened in my industry. It's happened with friends of mine. And why is that? And, uh, and what I've also noticed, and, and I think this is something that I'd like you to touch on, is that it's, uh, there's a lot of doubt that also comes from a lot of women. Yeah. Why, why, why do we do that? I, I, I think, you know, I think women need to support each other more in business. Yeah. I think that's actually going to make the huge change. Yeah. If we support each other more, uh, if we're more confident in each other, mm. and because men have a very tight network, you know, yeah. they support each other. You know, it's like brothers together. Yeah. The boys club, the boys club all together. To <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> there's a boys club in every country. Yeah. I think we need to have a stronger female network, yeah. you know, and support each other in business across the races as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that would make a huge, huge difference, and we, we would be seen as more serious. Particularly, yeah. I think a lot of women face a challenge when they're asking for funding at yeah. banks as well. Yeah, you know, because every business needs funding, yeah. and and that's where the financial. I mean, I found that the financial challenge for me was the biggest challenge, mm. and convincing banks to lend me money, or you know, it it, it was almost impossible. Did you find and I'm going to touch on this because it is it is quite pertinent in South Africa. Did you find that you got a lot of um, I suppose just a certain level of discrimination because you weren't South African? I mean automatically as a woman and as a black woman there's going to be challenges. But did you felt yeah. feel that it could be because you were Ugandan or you grew up in or you spent a lot of time in the UK? Um, I did find challenges. One thing that was not open to me as a foreigner was mm. Mm-hmm. So eventually the bank said to me, the reason why we can't lend you money is because you're you're not from here. Yeah. So I went to another bank and they had a different story. So I, I just actually left it and I can be being funded out in my savings anyway. And I'm yeah. lucky now because I have no debt. Yeah. But I think that was the biggest challenge in terms of, 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 of clients. Uh, I think people were more, were very receptive towards me. I think my clients are. Yeah. Um, so one thing they find uh, hard to get their head around is they're always like, did you bring this from London? I'm like, no, I can use a South African company. Yeah. And they're like, wow, you know, wow. Mm. It's from because the idea was born here. The opportunity was here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can use very much South African. Yeah. Um, so the only challenge really was finance, I have to say. Yeah. But everything else, I think, uh, even talking to the beauty editors and getting to know them, I think there there were no issues with me not being from here. Absolutely. Everyone was very welcoming. Well, with all the challenges and successes which are still about to come, and I know there's some days that yeah. it's difficult and some days you think, well, why the hell am I here yeah. and doing it? Just keep on going yeah. because it's not just about beauty. It's about the empowerment that you are doing to another woman and, and, yeah. and, and other women who want to start their businesses. So um, I salute you and, and thank you. Thank you for, for thank sticking you, it out. Um, and Thank you. And we look forward to, to more stores opening. And I, th- I think it's time that the rest of Africa needs to be open to, to, to eye candy brows. Yeah, I'm just putting that definitely. out there. I'm, I'm, I'm setting this, all these okay. affirmations out today, so that's one of them. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. thank you very much. Pleasure. Have From a beautiful day. Yeah. Yes. Take care. Thanks. Bye. That was Frida Isinguamo, who is the owner and and founder of Eyebrow Eye Candy Brow Experience. I just want to read you a a line, which is her tag off line, and it says, "The moment the eyes meet can be more provocative than a handshake or a smile." If you want to hear more about or want to see where you can find your, your, your locust, your, your just to try that again, your closest, um, eye candy brow, go to eyecandybrow.co.za or they're also on Twitter. But first, let's listen to Malay. <laughs> Some 
song male kimo africa i was just telling my right hand man duncan here she's got the same tenacity and range as uh, amel laurier the the french singer welcome back to the show my name is rosie motene aka the afro yiddish princess and today the show is titled woman up um spoken to two phenomenal ladies prior to the break samu kumalo and and frida isingoma and next up i have another powerful lady uh, jabulile botelezi but before I introduce her, if you want to give us a shout, call us on 0861-555-189. We're on Twitter at cliffcentral.com, uh, Facebook, Cliff Central, of course, also on Instagram. And my Twitter handle is princessrtm. So next up, I have another dynamic woman. She's a broadcaster, a social activist, speaker, writer, MC, media and communication strategist. She's been quoted as saying, I want to see Africa read. The youth must read, and I will contribute to this notion until reading becomes a norm and a reality to thousands of women and children across the African continent, especially from remote areas. We want a reading Africa. She also runs a women's book club that aims to encourage literacy skills among young women across Africa. And I'd like to introduce to you Ms. Jabalile Boteleze. How are you, madam? Hello? Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Rosie, yes. this is Rabbi Julia. How are you? <laughs> oh, is this Rabbi? Okay, sorry, Rabbi. We, we, we will jump ahead. Let me just introduce Rabbi properly. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> we'll move on to Javalila later on, but Rabbi Julia Margolis is the third South African woman to be ordained as a rabbi and the first to serve in South Africa. She was born in Moscow and was brought up in Israel and served as an educational officer in the army. In 2000, she graduated with a bachelor's degree from Ben-Gurion University in Jewish studies, Islam and art. And in 2005, she completed a master's degree in Jewish studies. And as they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because her mama was the first Russian-speaking female rabbi. How are you today, Rabbi? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for, for hosting me, and it's always great to hear you. Especially that you and me have a very long um, history together. Yes, we do. Let me just tell our listeners. Okay, so when I, I was brought up in a Jewish family, and then I decided to embark on my, on my journey, um, to, uh, through conversion. 
And I went through a synagogue called Beit Emanuel. And at the time, Rabbi Julia was only a training um, um, rabbi at the time. And so she, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was also your, your influence and your positive power that I thought, okay, wait a minute, maybe this is something that I do need in my life. And, you know, six months down the line, I realized, okay, well, I definitely do want to continue with my conversion. And before we knew it, I, I was, I was given the, certi- the certificate and I became a bona fide yid. <laughs> You know what? I, I thank you. It's, it's great to hear that mm. because um, I think between you and me, and it's funny, it's not what we were supposed to talk um, on during this interview, but it's, between you and me, I think it was this mutual idea of what women should achieve. Yeah. What are the goals that we want to receive? What yeah. should we um, get on? Yeah. And also, and also, and also, just, just because, you know, as, as we, women, in whatever industry we go into, we're going to be facing these different challenges. And one of my, my mentors said to me, um, Jenna Clifford said to me is that, you know, as a woman, you're going to be faced with so many different masculine energies and so forth. And the one thing you always need to do is play it like a woman. Use your feminine energy. And that's something that you always, you always uh, carry through. Um, especially not, not, not just behind the beamer, but just in who you are. Um, and, 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 and just supporting your values. Yes. But now yes. let's go back to, to growing up. Um, I'm sure because your mother was a rabbi, you, you had a very strong and solid spiritual grounding. But did she have a major influence in, in your choice of career? I will lie if I will say no. Because <laughs> you know she'll find out. <laughs> I will be honest with you. As much as I want to give all these glorious stories and and. Yes, she, I think, was my really main character. Not only, but yes, she's yeah. the main reason um, that I became what I became right now. And yeah. I'm really grateful for that, and I'm blessed to have an um, amazing mother. You, you met her, right? Yes, and yes, yes. I know she's also exactly incredibly powerful. Exactly. You can see from where it's coming. So um, it's true. Uh, she's an amazing inspiration mm. to me. Of course, not only, um, but I think... I knew from very early age that this is what I want to be because I was raised in reform movement. I didn't come um, in a later stage of my life like it, it happens to some people. Right. I was raised in reform movement. Right. Um, but now, but now, let's just take it back because a lot of our listeners and a lot of people within South Africa, when they think about Judaism, it's just about the Orthodox movement, you know. And yeah. and when I say to people, "No, well, I'm reform," and they were like, "Oh, well, that's nonsense. It's you. You're not really a Jew." You know what I mean? What What is What is your take on that? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is a stigma. Look, mm-hmm. uh, I was told. I was told. You know, my my older daughter Emily. Mm-hmm. I was told that. Um, she will have problems today to date I mean, just for the listeners, she's six years old. Um, she will, yeah, she will have a problem today, someone, yeah. because of uh, me, because her family belongs to the reform movement. Wow. Um, and of course, we can laugh about it, and this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, if there is a boy that doesn't want, wouldn't want in 10, 15 years to date her because she belongs to the reform movement, yeah. as a mother, I don't want her to date him. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, this is a stigma, and it's quite strong in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, reform movement in the world is the largest movement. Mm-hmm. Um, well, why is it? Why is it so different? You know, if you if you do look on a global aspect, Jews in South Africa and, and the, the Orthodox and the Progressive movement is very different to, for instance, what's happening in New York or what's happening in, in the Absolutely. UK. Why is that? I just think it's an historic uh, moment in South Africa. Yeah. Also. In South Africa, reform movement, progressive movement is only 83 years old. Okay. Um, 
and and it was I think it's just this, again it's a historic thing just mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of a social club if yeah. you think about it yeah. people belong to orthodox movement um, but maybe their behavior or maybe their way of life or their thinking is much more progressive than they think they are yeah but they wouldn't um, they wouldn't give it a chance which we as a movement trying to change we're mm. trying to um, talk with people and to say, come to our services, look yeah. that we're not different. Because if you will look at the service that's um, happening, for example, in my synagogue yeah. or any other progressive synagogue, yeah. it's the same service. Yeah, the major difference is there is equality between men and women. Yeah. Um, well, the, well, that's that, that's the one thing that that I stand for is the, is the equality. But also, realistically speaking, you know, um, somebody said to me, "Well, you're not as you're not as religious as an Orthodox person because on a Friday night you're getting to a car." So I said, and my argument is that yes, I'll get into my car, but I'm driving to shul and then driving back home. I'm not sitting at home and not going to shul. So how do you absolutely. weigh up those two different things? You know, absolutely. But also we need to. About it realistically, mm. and it doesn't matter if we live in South Africa, in England, or any other place. Um, we are in the 21st century. We do not live in a small state, so back in Ukraine or Poland, yeah, where yeah. everything was closed, and physically you just don't need to drive anywhere. Yeah, you wouldn't need, you know, to use a, a horse. Yeah. But <laughs> also, I mean, was, with, with with the crime and situation in South Africa, exactly. you know, you gotta, you can't just not not go and worship, not go and pray because you're worried about about not making it to the synagogue. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I prefer that my congregants will be safe, mm. and they know that they got into the car, and they drove back home, and they had their uh, Friday night meal with their family. Mm. It's more important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And to have them, and to have this feeling of being together and celebrating, for example, um, Shabbat or High Holidays or any yeah. other festival. Yeah, yeah. So you're absolutely correct in that. We do need to realize that we are living in the 21st century. We do use technology in order to... Um, have our lives in a better way. We mm. use um, different ways of communicating with each other. I mean, 10 years ago, nobody heard about WhatsApp. Now, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. you know. So we do need to understand that also religion is moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. And now, just before we wrap up, you were uh, in Brazil on a rabbinic conference. What, and with a whole lot of rabbis from all around the world, what are the other challenges that rabbis are facing? Because, um, you know, when, when, when you mention, when you sh- show a Magandovod or you mention Judaism, there's always the politics attached. So what are, what are other rabbis and other communities facing in terms of challenges? There are some challenges that will be the same. Mm-hmm. Some challenges are absolutely different. It yeah. depends. It depends um, which, which rabbi will you talk with from what country will he come. Mm. Um, there are some communities, um, and it was really unfortunate for me to study that um, they would not hire a woman rabbi as yeah. their clergy. Wow. And it hurts. Mm. And it hurts. And I know that they have still a long way, you know, to go. Um, we are trying to change that. And even yeah. during the conference, we had a lot of sessions about women rabbis and what women can do and... Mm. Um, it, it's a process. Yeah. Um, again, also the reform movement is quite young. Yeah. And but then again, you know, 30, 30 to 40 years ago, even 50 years ago, for a woman just to stand up and to be heard, people were like, well, it will never ever come forward. She's a woman. And the fact that, that we're moving where people are being, women are being ordained in, 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 into Judaism is phenomenal. Absolutely. But if you will think about it, just a few months ago, and I met this absolutely amazing woman, mm-hmm. um, Rabbi Denise, and she is now president of the TCR, the Association of 
progressive rabbis in North America. Yeah. Brilliant. And she has an amazing story um, and she's an inspirational story. She's open, um, lesbian woman. And she herself had for years a problem to get a pulpit because being a woman, being a lesbian, even in the, as we all think, open-minded America. Yeah. Well, somebody said so to me that, you know... We need to count our blessings. Yeah, we do need to count our blessings because somebody once said to me, it was like, okay, you're black and you're Jewish. Um, what is your sexual preference? And I was like, oh, <laughs> if I was a lesbian, then it would be a triple threat. But, you know, as women, we've got all of these challenges and we just got to keep on going and, and, and do it at our, our own pace. And I suppose that's what this, this show today is about. So thank you so much for, for taking time. I, we've run out of time. I wish we had a lot more time to, to chat. I know, but but I think we need, we so need to, we need to bring you in. Um, and, and actually do like a full on hour and, and, and chat about the different dynamics of, of being a woman, also being a foreigner in this country and, and then also facing the, a religion which is, which is masculine, do, dominated by males across the world. Absolutely. But if you will allow me just one second, sure. a small advertisement, mm. because I'm very excited and it happened only last night. Yeah. Um, as you know, I'm also, um, chairman of the Secret. Yes. South African uh, Center for Religious Equality and Diversity. Yes. And it's, I'm very excited because we are going to host on 1st of July, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Um, um, Hodge, that he is head of the Open Mosque. He is the Imam of the Open Mosque. Oh, in wow. Cape Town. And he's going to talk because basically the year of the Open Mosque has so much common with mm. progressive Judaism. Yeah. And he's going to talk with us. So I invite everyone. It will be at seven o'clock, first of July, at Bezavit Synagogue. Um, Definitely. If, if you if you tag me in a post, what I'll do is I'll post it to my Facebook page and then also push it on on Instagram and Twitter for you. But you said it's the first of July. Definitely. Thank you I so much, that. Rabbi. Have Thank a beautiful, beautiful day, and Mazel Tov on on all of your achievements. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. That was you, my bye. good friend, Rabbi Julia Margolis, who, um, who represents the community at Beit David in Santon. Uh, I just want to read a, a great, um, WeChat message from Inappropriate. Rosie, you're absolutely stunning. Loving the show. It's refreshing. Just what I need on a Thursday morning. Thank you very much. That's a really, really nice comment. I appreciate it. Um, okay. So we're going to backtrack again. Going to my next guest, Jabolile Boteleze. How are you, darling? Hello, Rosie. How are you? Good, good. Sorry to keep you waiting. How is your morning That's today? Okay. Uh, it's a perfect morning cold, but uh, I don't know. It's a bit delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Now, I'm just going to yeah. go jump into it because we, we, we pressed for time. But, mm. I mean, you, 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 you carry a lot of caps. I mean, you're an MC, you're a journalist, you're a writer, you're a phenomenal woman, um, you're an emotional creature. Uh, in terms of, of, of empowering our continent and empowering our young girls and, and, and women, do you think that activists or journalists are doing enough in terms of the actual written word that goes out? Um, I think a lot more can still be done. I think especially for people with the power of the pen, mm. the media, writers. I mean, writers are people who instigate dialogues and actually, mm. uh, to a great extent, even shape the type of or the nature of narratives that should happen in our society yeah. across the, the spectrum. But I think, I'm not saying nothing's been done, but 
I do think that it's just a very big gap on how we reflect young women, how we reflect girls, how mm. we write about other women as well. Yeah. And also, and also, if you look at if you look at the media, and and although the perception of the woman and and um, has changed, but the, if you mm. look at some of the adverts and, and some of the comments that are made, we seem to be digressing in in, in a way. Mm. How do how do we change that? How do we, we we continue with? And I want to call it the struggle. How do we continue pushing forward? I think we need to also just be aware of the global phenomenon, right? So this is not just unique to Africa or South Africa, but I really do think that it starts with women themselves. Yeah. So until we take each other seriously and really learn to respect each other and have some form of regard for each other. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm not, the minute I'm not scared to uplift you and empower you, even though I know that you won't really empower me, I, I need to just do it anyway because it's not about me or you, but, uh, you know, it's certainly for the uh, future generation. Yeah. And we need to, I think women need to get into that space where they realize that Life is, there's so much more to them not getting along. There's so much at stake in mm. them getting, uh, doing so many wrong to each other. Uh, young women are looking at us and they need to learn because it's possible. It's just that we're not interested yeah. to have that uh, type of regard with each other. Yeah. And also I think that we think that the next person isn't interested. But through dialogue and exchange, you always find, like, you know, as Summer, my, my first, um, my first interviewee this morning said was that when, when she opened up these discussions about what the challenges young girls were having, and, and I mean, it mm-hmm. goes from abuse to rape to neglect, the, you name it, mm-hmm. discovering mm-hmm. and realizing, wait a minute, I'm not alone. There's somebody else who's also mm-hmm. going through this. So it's not just me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to, to, to something that you're doing in terms of galvanizing the, the dialogue is your, your women's book club. Let's talk about that briefly. So one of my passions is to try and get young women to read. Mm. I get young girls to read too, but women, I believe, it's very specific for them because we are emotional creatures. And a lot of women write. They might not be known as writers or called poets, but they really do have their own uh, narratives in their journals and whatever. And I think in spaces like that, women uh, get to learn to sort of try to be a bit open about some of the core issues that they really feel. Although there has to be like a level of trust built before that. So it's a very intimate session mm. of very few people who need to be in sync with each other because some of the issues that come up they are, are very heavy and they're not just it's, we're not doing it for the sake of just gathering like people think oh women that's all they do just gather and talk and have tea but we really <laughs> that's all we know how to do yeah. Narrative <laughs> forward. Yeah, yeah we try and really change our lives and and, and share experiences and share winning strategies if you like you know and really try to empower each other yeah. so that the things we talk about uh, are implemented and we really do get to have lead a different life because we can't talk forever we need to begin doing so yeah and actually making the change and something yeah. that's yeah that's pertinent to to your to your surrounding your community i'm really sorry i wish we had a lot more time but i know you're working on a really amazing project now with a group of other women and other contributors for something that you're writing so yeah. what i'm going to propose we're not going to talk about it now and hopefully cliff central will invite me back and let's talk about that new project that you're embarking on awesome Cool. Um, so, in, 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 yeah, so we'll talk about it then. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it then. I don't want, I don't want to give too much to our, to our listeners. But if you, if yeah. our listeners want to know more about Jabalile, she's at jabalilebutelezi.com. I'll also, um, put up her information on my Facebook page and my Twitter account. Um, thank you so much for joining us and have a beautiful day and keep on inspiring and keep on writing. All right. So that is it. 10 o'clock. Where did the time go? 
Duncan, thank you so much. Thank you to Cliff Central for giving me the platform. My name is Rosie Mortena, a.k.a. the Afro-Yiddish Princess. You can find me as Princess RTM on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn under Rosie Mortena or rosiemortena.biz. Until next time, have a beautiful day and woman up. Everybody, everybody. Tussman, Jebberman, Dimitri. Max Hoover. Cliffcentral.com